on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's Axfam. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? Hope you're doing great on this Monday after the first football weekend, full football weekend, college football, the National Football League, we've got two, count them, two Monday night football games tonight, which you can hear on ESPN Radio, Syracuse, looking forward to recapping everything about the weekend. Well, except that Bills game, which we will do, we will discuss. I'm just not looking forward to it. But we're glad you're here. Thanks for listening on the radio. If you're listening on the ESPN app, that's a great way to stay in touch with the show. You take us with you wherever you go via the ESPN app. We are now on your smart speaker. Do you have Alexa? Hey, you can tell her uh, to play ESPN Syracuse. Just search ESPN Syracuse on your Alexa app. Click enable on the ESPN Syracuse skill, and there you go. You can tell Alexa to put the show on no matter how you're listening today. We greatly appreciate that. Here's how you get in touch with the program today, 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. And the text line is 288-0644. We've got plenty to do here on this Monday Huge, huge opportunity strikes for Syracuse football. I said it all throughout last week that I was on to Florida State. I was more interested in what Florida State was doing, previewing that game. Wagner was just kind of a fly on the windshield that Syracuse had to brush away. Eric Dungey said it last week, inspired by the words of Stephen A. Smith, that they had to annihilate Wagner. And with a couple of hiccups, for the most part, I would say 62 10 most points scored in the Dino Babers era, accomplished that mission. And then Florida State went out and almost lost to Samford. I don't know if you consider that good or bad news. I consider it great news because I will say this right off the bat here, and we will dig into it as the show goes along. I have gone from Syracuse can beat Florida State to Syracuse should beat Florida State. That's where I'm at. That's where my head's at for this game. Let's go. We will discuss throughout the show. Matt Perino is going to join us about 5.20 this afternoon. Maybe I'll have gotten out of my system by then about your Buffalo Bills. The Bills make me want to shout. <laughs> yeah, they make me want to shout, all right. 
and their impending 0-16 season. I'm already studying the 2019 NFL Draft. I think Ed Oliver would look great in a Buffalo Bills uniform, but we will uh, sort through the rubble of an embarrassing start to the season for the Bills with Matt Perino, our buddy from Syracuse.com, NYUp.com. Hot takes to come. We'll go on the blind side as we do every Monday. Seth is not here today. Everybody try not to be too happy about that. Seth is not here, uh, but Tommy Gunn, ready to come in and fire off 10 questions at me. Intern Justin and Tommy out there colluding on blindside questions as we speak, so we'll do that later in the show and much more here on this Football Monday. But we do start with what I just said. Syracuse football. Oh, wait, before that. Before that, and certainly it'll it'll come up, and we have to figure out how we're going to do this. So we introduced a new wrinkle on the show Friday, spicing up the Friday football picks a little bit. So the new wrinkle that we introduced on Friday's show, for those of you that didn't hear it, is we now do something called Survivor Pick Payoff. Where my Survivor Pick, if it comes through... I'm just right, and I get to come on this show on Monday and say, told you so, bing, bang, boom. However, if I'm wrong, and I'm using the point spread, most survivor pools don't use the point spread. Brent used the point spread, and how dumb was that? Because what I put on the line, had I lost, was this week having to eat a hot dog with ketchup on it, which if you know me, if you listen to the show, goes against everything I believe in. A true hot dog man would never put ketchup on his hot dog anyway. So I figured, let's put something on the line I absolutely do not want to do, put a little more motivation behind the survivor pick. My survivor pick was the New Orleans Saints, minus nine and a half against Tampa Bay. How'd that go? With a veteran presence in Kirk Coleman. Fitzpatrick to throw and has time in the pocket. Airing it out deep to Sean Jackson. Wide open. He's got <laughs> yeah. Blitz. One on one coverage, and he beat it. Mike Evans, Buccaneer touchdown. Ryan freaking Fitzpatrick, of all people, the Michael Myers of the National Football League, the man will never die, comes out and has the game of his life. So we're 0 1 on Survivor Pick. I cannot uh, take the New Orleans Saints for the rest of the season, nor do I think I will at this point. I think I'm just going to take whoever's playing the Bills every week so I don't have to do these ridiculous things like this week, eat a hot dog with ketchup on it. So we'll probably do that on tomorrow's show. We'll put it on Facebook Live and all that fun stuff, and you can watch part of my soul die on the show tomorrow. It's going to be good times. Good times. Great oldies. All right, here we go. Listen, I have gone from Syracuse can beat Florida State to they should. I've watched Florida State play both games this season. Virginia Tech, where they got hammered, and the game on Saturday night following Syracuse's win over Wagner against Samford. Florida State has some athletes. Florida State has a good quarterback. When DeAndre Francois is on, and he threw for over 300 yards, had a couple of great throws in that game, he's a solid quarterback. He's coming back from injury. It's going to take him a few games to get back into the swing of things. It was going to take this Florida State team some time to get used to Willie Taggart, his style of coaching. But it appears that Jimbo Fisher surely saw the writing on the wall here. And, you know, 10 years, $75 million to go coach Texas A&M, who almost beat Clemson this weekend and probably should have beat Clemson this weekend. You can't blame him for 
chasing that money, money, money. Right? Billion dollars. Well, not quite, but uh, he's getting there, man. $75 million. That's closer to a billion than most of us are. Something is wrong with Florida State. They've got athletes. They've got players. They'll win eight games this year more than likely, but they are nowhere near the usual intimidating power that the Florida State Seminoles are. And when Florida State has come to the Carrier Dome since Syracuse joined the ACC, the results have not been good. But last year, Syracuse went to Tallahassee, and Eric Dungy plays most of that game with a broken foot, as it turns out. And they walk out of there having lost by three. And I have watched Florida State these first two games of the season. And no one's, myself included, going to come on the show today and be like, kidding me, walk in the park, man. Going to be like that Wagner game last week. Syracuse should be a 40-point favorite. No, there's a lot of things that have to be done right, as we'll discuss throughout the week. Syracuse has to find a way to defend the speed on Florida State, which the one guy who had, a lot of speed on Western Michigan, got behind the Syracuse secondary a lot in Eskridge. So they're going to have to find a way to either correct that problem or hide their weaknesses with their strengths. But Syracuse has what it takes talent-wise, scheme-wise. I'm wondering if the crowd will step up because Saturday's game was the lowest attended home opener since 1985. Syracuse-Kent State with Coach Mack on the sideline. And I think we knew it wasn't going to be a huge crowd. Wagner's not the game the Fairweather fans are going to go to. There were apples to be picked and other fall festivities to be done. But there's a buzz that's building about this game and this team. And I think the Fairweather 10,000 is intrigued. I think they smell an opportunity. I think people will be talking about this game through the week. There is a big uh, pep rally Friday, by the way. Our 44 block party is happening We're going to have live music from Uprooted, which features Michael Glabicki of Rusted Root. Daniel Baldwin, Seth Everett going to be there. Otto, the Syracuse marching band. I'm going to do my show from there. It goes uh, Friday from 4 to 10 in Armory Square's Shot Clock Park, of course, where the shot clock is and the Starbucks and everything there. Everybody knows where that is right in front of the most. So come on out. Be a part of that. That's Friday. Make plans to be there. Should have a couple big guests for you on Friday, so we're looking forward to that. But this feels like a game where some considerable buzz will build and people will believe they can beat this team. And here's the fact of the matter. You should believe that Syracuse can beat this team because they can. I would not come on this radio show and say that if I didn't believe it. The difference going into this game versus Virginia Tech in 2016 and certainly Clemson last year was Nobody really believed Syracuse could win those games. They kind of snuck up on us. They were upsets people didn't see coming. Virginia Tech came in having scored 40 points a game, a ranked team that just that early in the Babers era, what would give you reason to believe they could win that game? But they did. The Clemson game was obviously something no one saw coming. Though I'll never forget being at Shaughnessy's last year doing the pregame show, and it sounds silly. It sounds kind of poetic in a way it sounds almost too good to be true but a fan came up to me and i apologize i can't remember the gentleman's name but he listens to the show all the time and he shook my hand and he looked me dead in the eye and he said look i'm telling you i got a feeling they are going to win this game and it wasn't just a typical fan saying that like i believed the man there was a buzz in the air that day there was a considerable feeling around town about hey why not 
And then Kelly Bryant went down. It was a Friday night game. Weird things happened Friday the 13th, as a matter of fact, and the rest is history. Okay? The difference between that and this is we are anticipating a sea change here. This is an opportunity to change the narrative, to take a step forward. And look, this is how quickly things can change in the world of college football. If you win this game Friday and you beat Connecticut as expected next week, and Connecticut is terrible, you're 4-0. And as someone who votes in the Associated Press top 25 poll, I can't assure you that a 4-0 Syracuse team will get in. I can't assure you they'll get votes including mine. I don't think you can deny a 4-0 Syracuse team because there's somebody who, as I mentioned, I fill out this poll, I'm telling you, the spots between like 22 and 26, like I put Kentucky in this week, right? The best way to get in the poll is to beat a team in it. Florida State is not in the poll, but the 23rd, 24th, 25th spot, you can get there. It is doable. Because, as I've mentioned a number of times on this show, the poll is like a thermometer. It is the current rating of college football as it stands today. A 4-0 Syracuse team, as unimpressive as a win over Connecticut would be, would be hard to deny topping that on a Florida State going into a matchup with Clemson the next week. So I'm not saying they'll get back in the poll. I'm just saying they got a shot here. And I have maintained a number of times on this program that you can put a mark on Syracuse football truly being back. When they're in that poll, going to bowl games is great and some of the other things they have come very close to. But when you're in that poll, it makes a difference. For those that want to poll, it doesn't matter. It does. It's the best measuring stick we have in college football. I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but that's the sea change. That is the opportunity this game represents. The difference being Virginia Tech, Clemson, couldn't really forecast that. This one, we can. This one, we can see coming. We can map it out. We can plot it. And we could say, here's the path to beat Florida State, who is not a ranked team, would kind of fall in between those two upsets because both Virginia Tech and Clemson were ranked. But it's a name brand program that represents you're truly making progress when you can hang with a program like that. That is the opportunity that they have on Friday night. So we will spend the week trying to find the way there. Much more to come on Syracuse football as we press forward. We'll continue to discuss it in the next segment. Matt Perino later in the program. We'll go on the blind side. Hot takes as usual. And so much to do on this Monday edition of the show. And I know you're ready to fire off at 437-7644 throughout Excited about this, though. I want to uh, introduce a new segment that we're going to be doing on this program right around this time, every day. Our good friend Lee Baldwin, or one of the great people that work for Lee Baldwin and Company, are going to call this program, and they are going to inform us of the ups and downs of the crazy world of the stock market. We're going to do some diamonds and dogs. For those of you that go back a ways, and I'm one of these people that remember When this happened on Adam Shine's radio program, I was always a big fan of that. So when it was presented to me that it could happen on this show, I was excited to do it. Let's bring them on, Diamonds and Dogs, for this Monday, September the 10th. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Lee Baldwin. Now, Lee, I don't want to steal any of your thunder, 
but I got a dog for you. You want to know the dog? The Buffalo Bills. That's the dog. <laughs> we got to move forward from that. You got to get rid of your losers early. That's one game, Brent. So oh, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Great to talk to you. Great to hear your voice. It's great to be back. Absolutely, man. We need more Lee Ball. Than more this is <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I don't know about that, but... Uh... <laughs> And, uh, you know, today was a pretty quiet day in the market, uh, Brent, and you know why? There was a golf playoff going on on TV all day. That's so. why. Yeah, everybody was keeping an eye on that instead of doing their job. That's oh, fantastic. the trading desks across Wall Street were quiet, so <laughs> the market was up a little bit, but uh, uh, I think it's uh, Keegan Bradley came through with a win in overtime. But uh, interesting, it, uh, you know, now that Tiger's back in the hunt, he was like one stroke off, I think, at one point. Um you know, that's big news. That's big for uh, business, the CBS in particular. I mean, their ratings go up by like 60, 69%. Oh, they when, love uh, it. So it's a big deal. So. They're loving it. we got the Ryder Cup coming up with a it's, Tiger versus Phil uh, uh, playoff match, which, by the way, I, I, I'm feeling we're going to have a big party at your house for that. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. Boom. You come anytime. We're in, baby. We're All in. right. Well, listen, so the markets were uh, a little bit up today, but our diamonds of the day were both Home Depot and Lowe's as we see Hurricane Florence right. heading toward the Carolinas right. and Virginia. So those stocks uh, tend to do well when everybody else is suffering. So we'll keep an eye on that down there and our dog for the day alibaba uh, that is the uh, uh, chinese amazon as their co-founder jack ma decided to uh, pursue other interests in a year he's a former teacher that's now a multi-billionaire and he, interestingly he wants to get back to teaching and today is national teachers day in china well, that's what I got for you, Brent, but it's great to be back. Absolutely, Lee. Before we let you go, tell us where we can find you. Tell us the website. Give us the locations and everything people need to know. Well, I'll just I'll give you the website for now. It's LeeBaldwin.com, L-E-I-G-H, Baldwin.com. You can find us there. Uh, we do have offices throughout central New York, so whether you're in Utica, Syracuse, uh, uh, and all parts in between Rochester, you can find us, we'll, or we'll find you. So Excellent. Thank you, Lee. Good to talk to you, buddy. Oh, all right. Have a great day. That's Lee Baldwin, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to be giving us the diamonds and the dogs. We'll track the Nike stock, how that's doing, through the Colin Kaepernick con uh, controversy and all that. The world of stocks and sports mixing a lot. We're great to ha uh, just awesome to have Lee Baldwin back on board. Those of you that remember the great segments with Adam Shine, Bringing him back, baby. The Buffalo Bills. That's your dog this week. We'll talk more Syracuse coming up, recap the NFL weekend, hot takes in the blind side to come, Matt Perino later in the show, go a little bit more in depth on the Bills, but let's get more into SU. I mean, if you want to talk about the win over Wagner, we can do that. I think we all know what kind of game that was. There are a few things I took away from that that we'll get into coming up. You're on the block. ESPN Radio, great to have you here on this Football Monday. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Sure is, voice man. Great to have you here. Happy Monday, everybody. On the Block is presented by Burdick Toyota. Matthew Perino joins us later this hour. Don't know who my quarterback is. I like Sean McDermott. I do. His affinity for Nathan Peterman will befuddle me until I, the day I die. The blind side coming up, but certainly Syracuse football on your mind. It's on my mind. It's Florida State week. It's actually, and I, I moved on to Florida State the minute they beat Western Michigan. I mean, Wagner was just a fly on the windshield. They have brushed them aside as anticipated. 
There's a few things maybe we take away from that game, but look, get it in your head, folks. Florida State is not an upset. It's not. It's a game Syracuse should win. It's not going to be easy. I get the speed Florida State has and everything about the preconceived notions that everybody has about the Seminoles in their mind. But this team, the one I've watched the last two weeks against Virginia Tech and almost get beat by Samford Saturday night, it is not your dad's, your brother's, your grandpa's, your anybody's Florida State. That is a vulnerable football team that I have I have moved the meter. I have gone from, hey, you know what? They can beat those guys to, you know what? They should beat those guys. They should. Because Syracuse has all the elements to do it. What do you take from the Wagner game? Well, another interesting quarterback situation. In order to develop chemistry with his receivers, Eric Dungy stayed in until well late in the third quarter, which was the opposite of the Western Michigan game when he was pulled maybe a little bit too early. I actually kind of get that. I understand that in the first game they didn't spread the wealth. It was you were feeding Jamal Custis. Wagner gave you the opportunity to play Nikeem Johnson, to play the younger receivers, to get a Taj Harrison there, too. And the only way you can develop true game chemistry with these guys is in a football game. It's going to be Eric Dungy that beats Florida State if they beat Florida State, which, again, I'm saying they should beat Florida State now. But to only give Tommy DeVito two series in the Wagner game, that's the game where you really felt like he could get a lot of run and Tommy's played in two games. He'll play in some more. They're getting him every opportunity to get in there. I just kind of felt like, and it's not a huge deal. I'm not going to make a big, I think the, the decision in the Western Michigan game was a lot worse than this one. But it's just interesting. how It's almost like Dino's messing with us. Like, oh, you think I should pull him here? Well, guess what? He's going to play three more series. So we'll see if that chemistry pays off, if they use any of these younger guys against Florida State. The balance at wide receiver was very important. You had to get that out there. You had Ravian Pierce got a lot more targets. You had five guys catch touchdowns in this game. How about that touchdown that Eric Dungey had? It was it was Dante Strickland's first touchdown. Where so if he didn't catch this because he kind of got lost in the pile, Dungey's he was going to quarterback sneak it, got stuffed, kind of pulled out of the the chaos, got the ball to Strickland somehow, just ran around the corner and scored. It is those type of plays. It is those type of, you're almost improvising. It's just kind of backyard football, making something out of nothing. That's what Eric Dungey can do. There's the called run plays, threw five touchdowns. He didn't have to run for 200 yards in this one. But the fact of the matter is, he can do all of that. There's so much you can do with Dungey which is another reason why I think Syracuse has every opportunity to be Florida State. And a couple people brought it up last hour. This Florida State team, the timing of this game, Syracuse's experience at quarterback, their offensive line, some of the weapons they have on the offensive side of the ball. Again, I get the glaring hole that Syracuse has. I am not ignorant to the fact that that secondary still has some weaknesses. That defense overall still has some weaknesses. But to me, it's like, look, Florida State's going to score points. Florida State has a lot of really good athletes. The question is, do you have the athletes to go toe-to-toe with them and win a shootout-type game if it turns into that? And the answer is unequivocally, yes, they do. So it may be one of those exploit-your-strengths, hide-your-weaknesses type of football games. 
I brought up Strickland, and I understand it's only two games, and one of those games is Wagner. But there is a good trend happening here for this football team in that Dante Strickland and Mo Neal are getting into the end zone. And I'm going to pull up the stat for you here. I wrote about this on Syracuse.com in my recap. Appreciate everybody that uh, checks out the recap on Syracuse.com. Uncle Brent stays up late writing that for you. Comes out on Sunday mornings. And I wrote about it here. I'm just pulling it up because I want to get my numbers right on this because it's it's a very intriguing trend, and it's one that is really encouraging in the run game for Syracuse, and it's this, okay? In 2017, Syracuse had a total of 16 rushing touchdowns with Dungy providing nine of those scores. So far this season, two games, mind you, one of them's Wagner, but two games, Syracuse has rushed for seven touchdowns. Dungy's got one. Strickland Neal have provided six of the seven. Those two players combined, now, to be fair, Strickland missed two games last year, but those two players combined for five rushing touchdowns all of last season. They're already at five, and the trend is there, and they're getting the ball more in the red zone. Dungy's finding them in these wacky kind of improvised things they have to do. They mentioned that Strickland touchdown. That trend's a good one because it is certainly an asset. It is an advantage, and it is good that Syracuse has a quarterback that can run over the all over the field, that can score, can use his legs to an advantage. But you've got two good experienced running backs that you've got to get into the fold, and you've got a running back, or pardon me, you've got an offensive line that can block for these running backs now. These are good trends. Don't just look at and be enamored by the passing attack. And, you know, I brought up the stat earlier. Syracuse is currently ninth in the country after two games. They've run 84 plays per game. A couple other notes here. We'll go back to the phones at 437-7644. Listen, it's the kicker. It's not the sexiest position to talk about, but... Let me just throw this at you. How many of you in the last two years when Cole Murphy ran on the field said something to the effect of, oh, yeah, we got this. I'm going to go get a beer out of the fridge. It was always an adventure with Cole Murphy. Syracuse has a kicker in Andre Schmidt. who It's only two games. I understand that. This is a bigger uh, test. But this kid is money. He went out there and hit a 50-yard field goal in this game. He's 14 of 14 on extra points. He looks like he belongs there. It's taken pressure off Sterling Hoffrichter, who was thought to have been both the punter and the kicker, which I never think is a good thing. That's If you can do it, great, but I don't think you want that. That is one of those little things that adds up. The confidence that Syracuse has on special teams, Antoine Cordy had a couple great returns in this game. I've always been a little skittish about that, given his injury history, but he's making plays there. Look, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the crowd. you got to make up this week. Lowest home opener, attendance-wise, since 1985. Whatever. It's Wagner. I get it. We've been well over this. you got a chance to make up for it this week. you got the noon game. After college game day, the eyes of the nation will be on you more than almost many any other game this year. So you better make up for it. And that crowd, I don't I, look. I don't even care how many people are there. It's the kind of crowd they are that matters. 
And I'm going to say this, and it's something we'll certainly look at throughout the week. So you know how Miami had the turnover chain? So now this has become a thing. Like you've got to be rewarded something on the sideline for turnovers. Florida State, I, I, I honestly at first thought this was like an Onion article. They have the backpack. Just reminds me of when my daughter was young and she would watch Dora the Explorer. Backpack, 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 backpack. The backpack? Like, just don't do anything. You gotta, it's got to be something you want to earn. Like, who wants to get a turnover, game-breaking play, run to the sideline, and put on a backpack like a fifth grader going to kindergarten? The turnover chain is cool. Think of something cool. Remember Syracuse had the, remember the bone they would give out? Like, like that was manly, right? Big elephant bone for a big hit, right? They had the, a lot of teams do the camera club. Like, if, you know, you're in the picture where the tackle is, like, come on, man. The backpack, that's what you got, Florida State? This is what I'm supposed to be intimidated by? Uh-uh. Let's go to a man who's in the state of Florida, our official Tampa correspondent, Marty, in Tampa, on the block, ESPN Radio. What's up, Marty? Hey, Brent. How's it going? It's going great, buddy. How are you, man? I'm all right. Hey, I appreciate all this optimism going into the FSU game, but I am a Syracuse fan who has been scorned for the past 18 years, and I go back to Schaefer's last year. We started out 3-0 and went down here to my home in Tampa against South Florida. South Florida was struggling. It was uh, Taggart's first or second year. They had played terrible against a 1AA school, and he was on the hot seat for this game. And Syracuse got way behind, and we came way back at the end, and we ended up losing it. But I remember everybody, all the Syracuse fans were confident. We got a South Florida team that's down. We're up, and this is still Florida State. They're going to have athletes all over the field. Now, they haven't done much in the first two games. um, The Akers ran over us all last year, and uh, they're still going to be Florida State, and we're still Syracuse. And don't forget, we just gave up 42 points to uh, Western Michigan, and they managed the whole three against Michigan. So I appreciate the optimism, but they got to come out ready to play on Saturday. You made some fair points there, Marty. What I would say about that is a couple things. One, this game's at home. That South Florida game was on the road. And Willie Taggart's been to Oregon and Florida State since. I remember Schaefer emphatically pounding the podium. We're 3-0. and And things fell apart from there, but this is a different team, different matchup, home game. You're right about the 42 points. I've brought up the concerns about the defense, but look, if you're asking me right here, right now, matching up with Florida State, they went down there last year, and Eric Dungey had a broken foot and almost beat that team. Now, that was a team in disarray with Jimbo Fisher leaving and Francois was hurt in a different feel, but they have not recovered from that yet. Florida State will be a tough win for Syracuse, but it is certainly a game they can and I think should win as we'll kind of details we go through the week. I'll break on that note. Matt Perino's going to join us next, talk some bills. we got the blind side coming up. We'll talk more SU football with you. A lot to do. Hang in there, baby. Thank you. Bye-bye.